What's up, everybody? This is Justin Flinter coming to you live from Northern Virginia with the Justin Flinter Podcast by My Metro Medicine. Just yesterday, we had the opportunity to interview Eve Soldinger from Washington, D.C. for our month of March Ask the Expert interview. We talked about her practice here in D.C. We also talked about some great events and retreats that she has coming up this year, all the way from Washington, D.C. to Alaska to New Mexico, involving acupuncture, crystal healing, qigong, you name it, uh, anything that she's done over the last several decades of her practice. It's a great interview. We hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, There's lots of great information even about her book that she has published. It's available now. It's been for some time. You can find it directly on Amazon. So listen in and you can find her on evesoldinger.com. So enjoy this podcast and make sure you subscribe to the Justin Flinter podcast so you can listen in on all of the upcoming interviews that we do for Ask the Expert interview. Take care, everyone, and have an awesome day. see everybody again if I virtually can. Uh, I'm Justin Flinner from My Metro Medicine and this month we have with us Eve Soldinger. <laughs> yes, the Eve Soldinger from uh, Washington DC. We are live in Washington DC. So uh, we're very honored to have you here today. My pleasure. And we're excited to have this conversation of course and I hope that all of you out there watching will send some questions, uh, comments, anything that uh, you might want uh, Eve to answer for you. Maybe you've waited a long time and now this is your chance. You've been holding these questions for years. So please send them to, through our Facebook feed and we'll catch them below and we'll uh, bring them to her attention while we're live. So you ready to get started? I'm ready. Okay, so I have a plethora of questions (laughs) that I want to ask because uh, I've just now gotten to know you uh, for a little while. So uh, the first things first, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everyone out there who may just be tuning in and seeing you for the first time what it is that you do. Oh, sure, no problem. So I have been in Chinese medicine for 35 here, 34, 35, somewhere in there. I stopped adding the years and um, doing healing work all that time and studying Taoism, um, studying many different uh, methods of healing from different cultures. I'm interested in most everything that has to do with healing. And uh, along the way, I, I started with acupuncture, um, and that's been my base, my understanding of the world uh, through, the, through the lens of acupuncture. And I studied Chinese herbs some, and I studied with a Mayan elder a lot for 10 years, and I um, have studied s- Qigong um, for the past 10 years, mm-hmm. and I'm a Qigong therapist. Mm-hmm. And along the way, I studied with experts in essential oils and um, incorporated that into my healings. And I've studied with people around gemstones and minerals and crystals. So I, I think they're 
all interconnected, just like we are all interconnected all the time right. with everything in nature. So I, I sort of follow the breadcrumbs as to what I'm supposed to be doing with each person. I do some distance work um, and have for 15 years before I studied it in Qigong school. So you've I, I've hung run from the a game. lot of branches. <laughs> but it's all it's all about healing for right. me. That's that's been my purpose and everything. So along that journey, what has been your most profound experience? Like what has stood out to you the most during all of those uh, testing of different styles and incorporating them into your practice? Which one has been the most profound for you? Well, there's two, there's two things that come to my mind immediately. The first thing is that the most profound shift that I had was when I studied with a Mayan elder. And the reason was, was because he embodied all the virtues that we try to develop. He wasn't a perfect, he's still alive, but you know, I didn't think he was a perfect person, but he was always kind to everyone. He always took nature into consideration. He had a direct relationship with all the animals around him. He had a direct relationship with the plants. He, you know, if someone was drunk on the street, he would sing them a song, you know, where I would step over them at that moment in my life. And then I learned, you know, I broadened my heart to encompass everything through his example, not through him saying, this is how you do it. I just saw. How did, how did you meet him? I met I met him through some um, friends of mine. One uh, woman was going on the journey, and I was in a hard place at that moment emotionally. And I said, "Hey, I'll, I'll come. I'll, you know, do you do you think he has integrity?" Which is sort of funny, as the question that I asked, um, because he really does and did, and I learned a great deal from him um, of how I wanted to embody the elements in, in myself. So that shifted me from the more academic learning that was the way we learn. We go to school. This, we're Western people. We're right. learning an Eastern thing. We go exactly. to school and we practice. Exactly. You know, and then I was with this man who was self-taught but was so spiritually advanced that I learned so much about nature just from seeing his relationship in nature. And I was like, I'm doing this method of healing that depends on having a relationship with nature and what is mine. So that shifted. Right, you get to question that for yourself. I had to question it for myself and it shifted how I was living and what I was doing and how I saw people. It really shifted everything and it shifted, you know, this the importance of evolving and into the higher virtues of what we're developing okay. when we do healing. And seeing, you know, the the loss that people have from getting away from that mm. and not being a part of the imbalance. So that was very significant. And the other thing that I would say was has made the this huge difference in my life is Qigong and realizing how deep doing medical Qigong, how having a practice, how 
deep it goes into rearranging your internal matrix, how it totally can flush things out that you didn't know you needed to flush out. <laughs> <laughs> I always give the example with my Qigong students, you know, that um, I was in Qigong class and uh, it was like my second year, so a three-year program, second year, and you'd go for five days and I was in the middle of, we were practicing a, a Qigong set and I collapsed, literally. I was like, collapsed? Yeah, I was, my knees were bent, I was like close to the floor, I was sweating, I thought I was going to faint, and uh, my teacher said, you know, his eyes were closed, and all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he goes, get up, and I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. You know, you just don't say no. He and said, get up, Eve, and I said, no, I can't, and he took me out and I started sobbing, like totally sobbing. And I don't sob. It's like I'm too. I'm on to the next things. I feel sad. I I meditate. I do. I don't sob. I'll be sad for a year about something that a loss or something, but I don't mm. do that. So uh, I didn't know what it was, even though my brother had died the year before. I thought this can't be Craig because it doesn't feel like it's Craig. It doesn't feel connected. And uh, it was, uh, you know, all day long I started talking about a cousin of mine who I didn't remember because he died when I was four. And um, it was the loss that I had inside me from losing my, co my cousin, my first cousin, who I don't remember, uh -huh. who died when I was four. And just sort of the ripple effect in the family, oh they, they decided, you know, that the children under six wouldn't have to learn about it. Even though, you know, because he was like 11, something okay. like that. And so I, you know, experienced him all day long, like my love for him, that I, I had done exactly what they wanted wow. me to do, which was to forget it happened and not to deal with it. Exactly. But it was in me. And all too often, that's a recurring theme, I think, in our society now, is just sort of just push it aside, you'll get past it, don't worry about it, move on. Well, and I'm sure they didn't tell kids who were four and five years old, even though they know something's wrong with everyone. Right. You know, yeah. they know everything. Everyone. Kids who are four, who are two, you know, I watch kids who are two who are just awesome identifying what's going on with uh -huh. everybody in the room they're just amazing yeah and and so um yeah so i had that memory but i don't i still don't have a picture of him i mean I'm not, i just felt the love for him you know that i had had to sort of put in some hidden place and doing qigong sort of pulled it out and it was a great it took me like a year to sort of process that. Not that I had to um, talk it over with somebody, but just the process that, that I had something that I didn't even know that I had going on. So what happened for you after that? What was the next stage in your personal development of Qigong as well as uh, I assume you were doing it also as an addition to what you were already doing? So Well, for me, what it what it showed me is if 
if there were a Qigong revolution and everybody did it, they wouldn't need <laughs> <We're> me. <hoping. laughs> they wouldn't need me. They would we like be doing their Qigong. Exactly. Right? And the, the, the matrix would shift. And then, uh -huh. you know, I would just sort of fluff things up a little bit when they came to see me and say, uh -huh. yes, let's get you, let's get the elements moving just a little bit more the way you're already doing it. Mm. You know, to me, it was like a big shift that way, you know, and so like, it, you know, I started teaching a lot of weekend classes, um, which I'm not doing as much now and traveling and teaching them. And, you know, so it really sort of pointed me forward. I'm teaching uh -huh. um, in April in Alaska, where I've been teaching for many years. I'm very popular in Alaska. <laughs> That's... <laughs> That's fantastic. It's the biggest, biggest uh, state in the United States. <laughs> yeah, but they only have 650,000 people. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that, that, that leave back that on the side. <laughs> yeah. I'm very popular in, not, with the bears, with everybody. Exactly, <laughs> right? In nature, yes, you yeah. have a higher population than that, right? Yeah, okay. but I, I, don't, I don't know for any bears in Alaska, thank God. Uh, yeah, uh, that's a good thing. I'm not seeing it any in person. But, it, you know, it's, it, it's great because... I hear from people from Alaska who have extraordinary experiences mm. doing Qigong, healing themselves. And then I feel like unbelievably fantastic. And I, you know, I, that's just so great when you've taught somebody for two weekends and, you yes. know, there's the moment where they start doing it every day and a, a, a tremendous mystical experience yeah. occurs while they're doing it. So I'm like, you okay, that's experience great. Experience your own fulfillment out of that as well. Yeah, I think that's that just... I think it's so powerful, and um, I do qigong treatments as well, right. um, and and I find that it goes deeper mm. most of the time. But you know, it's not it's not even if I see somebody mostly for qigong treatments, sometimes they need an acupuncture treatment, sometimes they need something else. You know, that's so right. I, I I do what's necessary. For exactly. Them. So, I think the second question you kind of answered, so I'm going to move on. Uh, I would like to know, how has your view of healing and medicine transformed over the course of your life? You've done all of these different studies uh, with crystals, with Qigong, with acupuncture. So, from start until now, how has your view changed in terms of how healing works and medicine, your responsibility, the responsibility of society, etc.? Well, large, it's changed a lot. Question. It's a very large question. I mean, I think that um, I've been really fortunate, I have to say. Um, I was thinking before I came here today, you know, my first client um, had a very dramatic healing after, when I did my first treatment you know, with, uh, acupuncture. with acupuncture. Okay. I was in the clinic, and uh, she was someone who had had polio as a child, and my mother had polio for, as a child, so when she was a child, so I had some sense of, of how that is in the body, I sort of felt the resonance between her and my mother in some kind of way, knowing what that looks like, okay. and um, I treated her, and she, you know, she called me a couple days later, because the night I treat her and this was my first person my first treatment she had a healing crisis where she re-experienced the polio she had had when she was five you know and I was like this is too intense wow. you know and I was like I don't know what I can do you know like so she's telling me this whole report on the phone 
how she was on the floor and this, and she couldn't move. And I was like, I hope she can move now, but I didn't want to ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah. And she got range of motion in her legs, which okay. she hadn't had um, since she was little yeah, and, and different things huge, like that. Though. It was, it, but I was very overwhelmed. I was 29 or 30 years old. And I was like, this is so amazing. I have to, I have to really pay attention. And there's a part of you where you know you're just an instrument for someone's healing. Mm. And then there's the other part that says, what, can I, what more can I do for, some, for people who are coming? Right. So I think there's always that sort of healthy place of realizing you can do what the person steps in to heal. Uh -huh. Exactly. You cannot bring them along toward their healing. They have to step into what they're... Yeah, you just invite them. You open the door. You open the door for the healing to occur, and you stay out of the way. And I think that it's something I've learned again and again and again. Um, and, and I think that I pray a lot about it. You know, that may people reach their highest potential and expansion and, and attainment. You know, and, and I feel like when I when I do pray before I go in, sometimes in the metro. Um, that's often a, that's in the a metro. different prayer altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get from point A to point B? No, I, I'm, I've been very lucky behalf, that right. way. I, I love the metro. <laughs> Good. Uh, but, you know, when I pray about it before I go in, I feel like I'm not as attached. And I think that, you know, having non-attachment it's, it's very crucial to really allowing the universal forces to be the largest possible. That's, I think a lot of people are missing that. Uh, and I hate to speak collectively, but in terms of uh, that they feel attached to something, or it's maybe more of a, a difficulty to let go of whatever attachment they have that inhibits them from reaching their highest potential or their ultimate ability to heal themselves. Uh, maybe it is just something they have forgotten or maybe it is something they just uh, uh, haven't been taught over the years or they've been, I guess, shielded from in a way. But being a healer, uh, and myself included, I think uh, your idea of helping them reach that point and also understand that their bodies can actually do this themselves. And also going back to your point about being in nature and how much that can help people as well. Uh, it can be, I mean, I, I'm a beginner. I'm a baby practitioner compared to you. Well, and, and I don't know. Time. <laughs> but uh, it, to be able to witness that in even just one person is magnificent. And it really builds, for myself, when I have experienced something close to that, you can actually feel inside the, um, the capabilities of the other person, but also being able to invite people. It's interesting how healing well, transforms. You know, and, it, and there is like this huge, you know, like huge net of what influences right. uh, us. You know, like when I'm really clear that I'm guided in a certain way, I'm not attached at all. Mm whether it's from my intellect or some spiritual information or whatever it is, you know, like it's... It, You're it's, a vessel. I'm just a vessel for it to come through. 
Um, but you know, there's there's days that you don't sleep well. And <laughs> oh, that, that was going to be my next question. Is, I guess for people to do a similar kind of treatment and approach for their patients, how do you replenish yourself? What do you do outside of your practice to ensure that you can continue this for, on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I, I meditate and I do Qigong and I try to take care of myself. And you know, you probably and all use the, these beautiful things too. I, in some I way. use some crystals. This, um, is, this is this is enormous, or not just enormous, but it's just this is magnificent. It's magnificent, isn't it? This is. Am I allowed to hold this first? Yeah. <laughs> okay. This belongs to you. Yeah. But for those of you watching, this is fluorite. It's fluorite. Right? It's rainbow fluorite. Um, maybe I'll bring it up close. See if everybody can see it. But I just uh, happen to have it in my backpack. Literally just brought this out of her bag when she arrived, so it's meant to be here with all of us. But what, what kind of things can this stone do for people? Well, I mean, because there's all the different colors in this. You know, green fluoride I use when there's a mental construct that someone's trying to change. So let's say their issues are the same, have been the same, and it keeps coming up. But they are sort of in that breakthrough moment. Uh -huh it's like there's a kind of ease that happens. And fluor fluoride in general, I mean, you know, it's good for the teeth, for the bones, you know, there's all these physical um, applications. But um, in general, I think of it as something as, as on the mental level, particularly, um, brings great clarity. Mm. And if you look at this, you know, and, and you know how all these colors look so clear. Exactly. That's it's why sort of, I'm stunned by it when stunning. I saw it. It's just stunning. It's like the rainbow. You're holding this rainbow yeah. in your hand. But there is something about, you know, I mean, besides the physical applications, I really uh -huh. do use it. Um, well, it, and it also has this protective, it, it helps protect the layers of the energy field. Um, and it's considered fluorite's considered good for viruses, things like that. But you know, there's there's many applications for the same stone. Um, and I think that they talk to us. You know, like what I'll mean, like get us. Well, I'll like get a sense. Oh, this this stone needs to be used right now. I have like a hundred stones. This one, and I'll take it. And I, I won't know why, so I go and I, I bring, I have a couple books at the office, and I'll look it up and I'll, I'll go, oh my God, this is exactly where this person is. And I, I may have read that paragraph like a year before, but, you know, it's not something that I'm drawn from consciously. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read it to the person on the table, you know, so that they can see, and they say, I gotta get that stone. <laughs> yeah, when you read the benefits of these things, it's yeah. It's no, they'll say that's that's exactly where I am, and I go, okay, well, um, I'm gonna give you this one because I have a second one, and um, you know, I recently went to the Tucson Gem Show and I bought something specific for someone who had said that to me, and I, I, I had it there for her when I got back. So. You know, so these things, they're, 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 as, they're as deep as you can go. Mm. 
you know, no matter whether you're using the paradigm of Chinese medicine with right. acupuncture, or you're using the paradigm of Chinese medicine with herbs or with body work or with qigong, you know, they they can go so deep and so beyond what we're saying to each other. There's a different level to it. Yeah. There's a different yeah. level the, if you're totally unspoken. Yeah. open yeah. to what's happening. Right. And, um, yeah. So what is one stone that you never leave home without? Or maybe there isn't one. I have a piece of jade that uh, I don't leave home without. Also, I have this piece that I wear that I got from a monk when I was in China that's very empowered. He's very, um, that particular um, temple is um, very esoteric in its teachings. Okay. So they do a lot of protective um, amulets and, and um, talisman, and you can hear the, the um, priest on the phone talking to everybody about and looking astrology up and you know but he was like quicksilver he was like bang <laughs> I was like oh my god you know he was just walking through everybody and and just holding this big energy of the mystical aspect of things for people so I do have a piece of jade I carry in my purse but I also have this that I wear most of the time. And what's uh, some healing aspects of jade that maybe people aren't aware of? Oh, now my mind just went blank. But it's spot. like one of the highest stones. Jade is considered one of the highest stones you can use. Because it's so revered in Asian cultures. It is, and it's protective, and it's heart, and it's it's... You know, when you talk about a high stone, it connects you to the heavens, yeah. and it connects you to the earth. It was one of the most precious in terms of like the emperors and the royalty of China throughout years, and the empresses, they all wore it. Yeah, it's connected and to all things, like, that jade. Good luck. Well, and also, you know, since I spent so much time in Central America, you know, jade was also revered in the... In, in that culture, in the indigenous culture there, and, and, and all the priests were wearing jade. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yes. They still do. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Yes. Many, so, many people do in China. Well, in, that's in China, but also in Guatemala. Well, in Guatemala, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, so I think from culture to culture, when something has a power, right. it's recognized by mm. those people who are close to nature. But with us, we have to read a book, say, wow, this is powerful. <laughs> yeah. Let me find some. Um, but, then, you know, like. <laughs> I understand. So I, when I was at the Tucson Gem Show, I, I found, I walked in and I was so overwhelmed. These huge, this huge venue with so many vendors. And I was overwhelmed and I was looking for some place to focus my energy and I found these yogis selling crystals and I went over to them and I went, oh, some yogis, good. And, you know, they had, actually I bought this from them and um, they showed me something I hadn't seen before called a Brandberg um, quartz crystal. And I was like, well, what is it? And he said, well, it's 
clear quartz, amethyst, and smoky quartz from Namibia. 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 Okay. They're very, they're very precious, and they're very powerful healers. And so I said, oh, let me see. I've never heard of it. You know, let me take a look at it. So um, they took out a tray, and I picked out one, and I put it in my palm to see what the energy felt like, and it broke. It broke? It split in like half. Like they just put it in your hand. They and it broke. put it in my hand. And the three of us were just like staring at it with our eyes wide. <laughs> and he said, the guy of the couple said, I guess it's yours. And it's a very funny thing because I said, you know, it makes me want to cry. I feel like it, it's sort of gotten in touch with something broken in me that I need to have connect. And I, that's how I've used it. With and people. it's a solid stone like any other stone like and any other crystal it put just it in your hand put it in my it hand and it broke broke <laughs> remind me never to shake your hand again <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know what it was okay. you know it just broke I, wow. I have it in i do have that in my purse i'll show you later amazing so let's move on a little bit to qigong i want to know a little bit more about what you've done, but first off, Qigong is uh, is an interesting art altogether. A lot of people practicing it uh, now here in this country alone. What is your personal definition of Qigong? Because many people out there have no idea what it, what is, it is, and it's one of the most difficult things uh, many people find to explain. So, what do you? What, what's your definition? You know, I I did write a little blog about that, um, ah. but I think of. Qigong as all cultivation. So whether whether you're you're doing cultivation by painting, singing, dancing, but doing the movement in and of itself, doing the the, the meditation and the movements, um, have to have the qi moving. So if your chi moves totally when you paint, you have to paint. Mm -hmm. right. if, if the chi totally comes through, if you if you can move the chi up and down your body through doing regular uh, standing and dynamic uh, qigong where you move and cultivate the chi. Uh -huh then you have to do that. And for me, it's that, because I can paint, doesn't, doesn't really do that. Um, I have lots of paints at home. And- uh, I know you were telling me about George O'Keefe yeah. uh, in our last conversation. So Qigong is your method of moving Qi. Yeah, and I've always been very physical. Okay. I've always danced, I've always done these things. I've always been really physical and felt you know, connected through my physical body, even with all the blocks I have and with all the ways that I may manifest whatever physical mm. um, symptoms. Um, but I, I really think that Qigong cultivation is like a commitment. It's a dedication. Um, you know, when I have to do something rather than Qigong, I'm an unhappy person. I'm not happy. 
you know, but sometimes you do. Sometimes, you know, this has to be done before right. tomorrow for someone. Um, and, you know, so I find it renewing and uh, a constant exploration. And I feel the difference like nothing else between doing it and not doing it. You know, I, I can tell, you know, right away. It's interesting, my, um, my sister who lives in a meditation community in Iowa, she uh, started Qigong like eight months ago, and now she wants to be a Qigong teacher. Oh, wow. So we're two sisters who, she, I think she's, because our last name is Soldinger, she's calling it a Cheatingers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, the Cheatingers. Yeah, no, but I mean, she's learning Trademark a totally that. different style. She won't tell me anything about it. It's all very secret, you know, and, um, and I think it's Marshall because she broke some tiles. Um, okay. So, you know, you know, and it's great. Well, you broke stones and you didn't intend to. I didn't intend. <laughs> that was without intention. <laughs> With intention, I wouldn't want to say. No. But, okay, you know, it, so. it is the same. I mean, the the idea with the cultivation, I can help people so much more. When I really am cultivating my chi, I can really see people so much more clearly so that I can help them so much more. And this is what you're doing now in your practice, yes. right, in your clinic. So what are some things that you're doing now? Do you have, like, opportunities for... Or maybe people out there to come and try it. Uh, do you have classes? Uh, you said something about Alaska. You're doing so. There. I, I was I was um, I was just in Tucson, and I taught some Qigong classes there. So now a Buddhist community there, they're going to be doing Qigong before they do their their Buddhist practice. Very good. And I'm going to Alaska. I'm doing several one day, two day classes. Um, there and that's in April, the first couple of weekends of April, and um, I also last year started uh, a process of taking people to do uh, Qigong and Renewal retreat in at Ghost Ranch, which was just fabulous. It's like a cauldron of nature holding us. I mean, there's a reason that Georgia O'Keeffe and other people have always gone there. It's just like stirs the chi mm -hmm. everybody changed and um so there was like a couple hours three maybe hours of qigong a day and horseback riding and That's going cool. to the museum and going to very close by uh healing waters and it was just re remarkable yeah i know that area there's like has some of the most like the strongest energy points in the world there's a couple places across the earth that have that and i think it, is it in that area or is it close by i, I don't, I, know I don't recall thinking. where it is but there's it's west northwest of santa fe okay all right it's and you'll trip. be doing that again yes i'm negotiating now for november 1 2018 very good. So it seems like a long way away, but it, it's it'll come fast. <laughs> so where can people find this information? On there'll, website? there'll be information on my website in, in within the next month, and probably that, after Alaska. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am give yourself you know, time to adjust from the cold to the warmth. <laughs> well, you know, it's more like I have yeah. I still have work to do on my on of what course. I'm teaching in Alaska and 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm finishing, I'm, I'm revamping what we'll do this next time when we go to, to Ghost Ranch. And, so um, this is all on your website, evesoldinger.com. Right. Okay, so they can get the information for all the seminars, the Qigong classes. You have classes regularly. I, I do, right? every week. I have every two week. classes. And they are at DuPont. They're in DuPont at Quantum Pilates. Quantum Pilates. On Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right after work. And um, Right after work, you hear that? So right after work. Not today, but next. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, right? Tomorrow. tomorrow. Absolutely. Okay. And yeah, and I really, I'm very committed to that. Um, you know, I can see as, I'm 64 now. A young 64. A young 64. Very young. Um, <laughs> all these crystals are keeping me. <laughs> yeah, it's all crystals. <laughs> um, and, you know, I can see as time goes on, you know, sort of just gradually doing less one-on-one -on -one healings and more qigong teaching and qigong studies and right. being more uh embodying of that type of growth for people and holding okay. space for people to do that their own work you know and exploring it's it's like it opens up the universe being very stable between heaven and earth mm -hmm. it's yeah like, it's like there are possibilities beyond what we talk about. If you want to know more about what those possibilities <laughs> are, you know where to go on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> well, it's really true. It's yes. Really true. Yeah, it is. Well, isn't, isn't that part of the reason that you have your practice of Tai Chi? And Yes, I mean, I like you, and I'm I'm starting to at the beginning of your practice. You're trying to uh, sort of put it in a direction that really resonates with you. I'm doing the same thing now. I, I I've done Tai Chi for years, uh, and I've done acupuncture now for a little while, and teaching, and all these different healing modalities. And it really is interesting to see how they morph together and how they all sort of pop their heads up from time to time when I'm having conversations with patients or with students or just with anybody on the street and how all of these things align for basically the same purpose. So I'm learning, even through all of this, people call it my media empire now, all of these things that I'm doing, uh, but it's all in the direction of helping people understand what they're truly capable of doing themselves. I. Honestly, I tell people think I'm crazy for saying this. It's like I really hope that one day I never have any patients. Yeah. That I never have any students. I have no one come to see me. Not because I want to be left alone. <laughs> but because I my ultimate hope is that people and I, I know this would take lifetimes and eons and whatnot, but is that everyone will figure out exactly why it is they're here. And exactly. what it is they need to do to help themselves so that they don't feel, quote-unquote, out of balance or whatever term or label we decide to place on top of someone's suffering. Well, there is this new term that I'm using. What's your new term? Is that people put themselves in a box. Mm -hmm. They put themselves in the box of their symptom. Exactly. And that's what they have in the box. Mm. but they have to open the box and step out from it because mm. it never 
works to be reduced in who you are to that box. It just doesn't work. Right. It's not who you are. So until somebody sort of just takes that, that cover off the box, they're not ready to step in and away from the symptom because they, you know, we, we, you know, lots of times people have come to me and they've said, and this is, you know, the honest truth, I'm just glad to know what it is now. Mm. Now I can deal with it, right. not knowing what it was. You know, so there's some part of us that catches on that, that needs an identity of something in ourselves. Exactly. And through finding that identity, we lose, you know, having that understanding, we lose the potentiality of who we really are. Mm. So it's sort of like this trade-off that's going on all the time for all of us. It's difficult for a lot of people, especially patients who are suffering from pain or whatever it might be, yeah. to get beneath that superficial uh, complaint, if you will, of all oh, my back hurts or uh, I just don't have the time to do the exercise that I should be doing. So I know that I'm going to end up coming back to see you every month or so. It's, it's but I can give you a great example around pain. I was talking okay. about, you know, I had uh, this some nerve pain going down my hand, which was very scary because my fingers were a little numb. Mm -hmm. I went to see an osteopath, a very good osteopath, and um, he, he was talking to me about what he found and everything. He said, but you know, it's very unusual to have this particular type of nerve pain without having had like some kind of accident. And I said, oh, but I did have an accident like 10 months ago. And he said, okay. And then he did some work on me. He said, so tell me about the accident while he was working on me. I said, well, I was giving myself enough time to get to the office to see one person on a day I normally didn't go mm -hmm. around the block from me. I didn't have time to walk. And I saw this guy in the next building stopped you know, as I was going through, it's there's lots of pedestrians. You go like 10 to 15 miles an hour. He was on his phone. I noticed he was on his phone. I get past him. I'm going really slow. And all of a sudden, he hits me. Hits me in the side. Oh, my gosh. Right. And I'm furious because I have somebody who I know is going to be on time. And he's just wrecked my car. And, you know, I'm, I'm really incensed. And he gets out of the car. He's still on the phone. <laughs> and I wanted to do violence. Do we violence. have to censor this part? No. I wanted to do <laughs> <Okay>. violence. <laughs> I wanted him to eat the phone. But um, he was so nice. He got out. And he was so adult. And he said, this was all my fault. I'm really sorry. This is what insurance companies are for. And I didn't get a chance to yell at him. You know, like I didn't get a chance to tell him how mad I was that he was on his phone. So how does this tie in with your hand? Are well, you I think that it was, pain? I think it was like, I was, I had held that response uh, I see in my neck. I, I was waiting for the part where you like got back in your car and punched your steering wheel. And no. And left you with permanent No, pain. it was so unsatisfying. Because he was so mature, <laughs> I went into a very young, I'm going to fight for myself right, kind of right. place. Right, right. How dare you? 
Yes. Self-righteous and whatever else. And I'm going to stuff that down your throat. You know, like, just like ridiculous, really. (laughs) And here this mature person who wasn't paying any attention and caused $4,000 worth of damage to the car, uh, you know, comes out and I can't be that person. So what happens to that emotion? What, you know, like, does that define us? Am I carrying that around? Apparently I was. Yeah. And once we worked on that, on releasing mm-hmm. that nice girl kind of response, you know, like, I can remember shaking, I really want to beat this guy. <laughs> uh-huh, I'm sure you've been there, too. <laughs> Don't hold well, back. I did. I did, you know. Uh, you know, I couldn't have, but, you know, like, I was angry that, that that he was so distracted right. that he, you know, that, that he ran into me. And he was really nice. It's and he was really mature. And here well, I you was. You for him. <laughs> here I was. You were. But the, yes. but, the, but the moral of the story is that if you, even then, I was like everybody else and I wanted an identification with what it was and I wanted it to be fixed. But... It only got fixed once I let go of the fact yeah. that I was human and that I had needed to take care of myself better around that than I did. Because yeah. I wouldn't have had the symptom if I had gotten it out in some way. And you know, the doctor worked with me really well working through the emotions of it while he had his hands on me. And, you know, imagining avoiding the accident and imagining all these other things. And, you know, and, and, you know, it just makes it really big. Mm. And I think that that, as we make it really large, whether it's us or the client we're seeing, we open the space to have not an ideal life, because no one has an ideal life, but we have a life that we can live to the fullest. Or, good, yeah. You know, and I think that when that's what that. we want. We want our clients to live their life to the fullest. And that's ultimately what I teach uh, my students in the classroom, not Tai Chi students, but like the acupuncture students, is that whatever the patient comes in for should not be disregarded, but is most of the time not the reason they're there to see you. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I never see that to a client. So but. no, 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 not to a client. But not to say that their symptoms and whatever it is they're experiencing should be completely disregarded. That should be honored and taken care of in that moment, of course. But when you are searching as a practitioner, as a healer, for the core or the root cause of what's going on, you need to have the discipline to look beyond that, and that takes nothing more than experience, time effort all of and patience to be able to say okay I know we've been treating this for a little while now and it seems to be coming back I'm gonna ask you a few more questions in a different direction that kind of thing so at least in my experience I've noticed that that has served some people some people may not be open to that conversation you know and there's always the part of people's journey that is karma right you know, we're not all born with perfect systems. Of course. And, you know, and it's sort of like this is, this is, can be a challenge or this can be, you know, some gift in some way. Right. You know, to you and in how you will live your life with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, 
struggle with it or you can um, overcome it and it's not defining. You're not in the box of it. You know, you, you can uh, be at the highest level of who you are, mm. you know, and have that karma. <laughs> can be right there with you. You can be right there with you. I think this is actually a good place to segue into uh, one of your other uh, talents. Go with me for a second. So you've done acupuncture, you've got crystals, you've got qigong, you've got all these different things, and then you have this wonderful book. Oh, my book. Okay. So you just talked about like, how people are not necessarily dealing, but in some ways people are because they don't know what else to do. They're just trying to survive rather than thrive through an experience, whether it's their own or whether in this book um, is your experience with together with your father. So uh, for those of you who are unaware, Eve has this book called Unexpected Gifts and uh, my journey with my father's dementia. So when was this written? Well, I started it when dad was sick. I mean, I was writing a lot then. Um, partially, I was figuring myself out. Um, and partially, you know, it was a, it was a situation where I, I wanted to um, figure out what was going on with him and mm -hmm. how to approach it. Um, so I wrote it a lot uh, in 2003 to 2007. I was looking for publishers then. And then my brother got sick. And then I just said, well, there are more important things to do than this book. And I uh, revisited it again two and a half years ago. And it was under the bed for 2007 to like <laughs> 2015. <laughs> You know, and you know, and I was surprised when I started reading it, how well formulated a lot of it was. I mean, it needed editing and mm. it needed some work, but I read it and I started crying when I read it, but not because I was still sad, but because um, it was so heartfelt. Like I put all of my heart into it to figure out how to be present with who my father had become and to figure out the value of what he was going through. Not that we all have to know the value for each moment that's difficult in our life, but there is a value. You know, it, it, you know for some people when they get really, really ill, they have to receive from people. From my father, there were so many things that he got. Um, I was at, uh, I was sitting Shiva last week at someone's house, and somebody said, "You know, I I reread your book because I'm dealing with something with a friend, and you know, it just gives me such joy to read it." And I said, "Really? <laughs> really?" He said, "She said, yeah." And I said, "Well, tell me which part." <laughs> that you're talking about. She said, well, when um, you call up one time and your father says, I was just talking to your, your father. And I said, no, dad, you were talking to my brother. You're my father. <gasps> that's such great news. I said, yeah. And he said, and Jan, that's my sister. She said, She's your daughter too. What a great day. 
You know, I mean, it was just like, you know, for her, um, letting go of the attachment to the, and the expectations of somebody being attached to those things that they know was, was really powerful. That must have been a huge, like, uh, learning for you. I mean, given, because I know my grandmother had dementia before she passed uh, several years ago and I still I live a long distance away from her so I didn't get to be with her as much as I would have liked but my mother was there daily and to see some of the challenges that came up uh, being together with her and just being unable to recognize her own daughter and uh, the emotional outburst that just came out of nowhere for little yeah. things uh, I think like what you just said about letting go of the attachment of like no I'm your daughter or no this is this person or no this is the way you're supposed to do this how can you forget to take your medicine well that's how you uh, can step this, into it that's why I wrote it yeah so I think this book for anyone out there who has a relative or a friend or anyone who is going through a similar experience it doesn't have to be dementia. I think this no, it's all it's all challenging, uh, diminishing of capacity and right. and whether it's physical or mental. Yeah, and I think this would be huge. I just started getting into this only because I just received this. Uh, from you not long ago, and already, I mean, even even for those who just go on go online, go on Amazon, and read the synopsis of the book, and even if you can look at the back cover, there there is a lot of great information in here that can help anyone through this journey, as you gracefully call yeah, I it. I think that I think that recognizing the value of people's journeys all the time is really crucial. Right. You know, no matter what the, what they've been through, the value of it. And um, it doesn't matter what they've been through. It's just it, it all has a value in time and space for them and for all of us together. You know, I mean, I, I was just thinking as you were talking, I, was, I don't know why this story came up in my mind, but there was one time my brother and I were taking my father to the VA and in the middle of the car ride, he says, is there a bathroom there? And I thought, oh no. And so dad's, my, my brother says, yeah, there's a bathroom there. Can you wait? You know, you don't ask him if he can wait because he's not going to wait. So, <laughs> so we got there and, you know, I took the car and Craig took dad and took him to the bathroom. And then he, like, comes out and he says, we need new clothes. So I ended up going around trying to get scrubs for him and it was it, it was a challenge mm. and um and then i went to the men's bathroom and started cleaning them off with my brother my brother was doing something i was helping and and i was afraid my father would be totally um shamed in some way which he wasn't and um you know he was a meticulous person meticulous i am not you know like but he he was mm -hmm. and um you know and i was holding his hand as we were waiting for the doctor which we still made the appointment which was amazing and uh he turned to me you know and he had dementia for a long time at that point and he said you had to come here to wipe the shit off your father and i was like okay so is he faking this like <laughs> all this you know like there was some way in which he was acknowledging, not 
what was physically done, but that there was some stuff he had to let go of that was really big for him. And I found it so fascinating because most people stop listening to people who are really sick and who have dementia and they yeah. miss it. They miss that they know on some level that they're going through something transformational. And that's my message actually, is that even with my, my mother also had dementia, you know, she really had to experience what she went through mm. for her own transformation. Mm. And everyone says, you're going to write another book? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not on dementia. I don't want to be Miss Dementia. Uh, uh -huh. um, uh -huh. but, um, but I think that, that it doesn't matter whether we're, what we're talking about. But there's a transformation that everyone has to go through, whether it's acknowledging how much they need everybody or what actually has been going on with them mm. for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, because some people, they don't, they don't get an illness and symptoms that bring them to us. No. So we have to, you know, trust that the universe will give them what they need for their transformation in this lifetime. That's right. So that's... And thankfully, that no. was, And I learned a lot. I learned, for me, I learned how to be present in a deeper yeah. way. Of course. With my loved ones than I had experienced before. Yeah. That was good. So for those of you who are interested, uh, Unexpected Gifts, My Journey with My Father's Dementia by Eve. You can find it on Amazon right now. Uh, well, don't leave just yet. Stay with us. Afterwards, you can go look on Amazon. So find this book. Uh, so now let's touch briefly uh, on your practice, Eve. Uh, what, are, what healing modalities? do you enjoy the most that you practice now? Uh, like what have you had the most success with, but also what, what do you enjoy the most? I hesitate to say because it changes. It's beyond my understanding sometimes. So in this present moment... In this present moment, I really enjoy doing the Qigong uh, healings that tend to focus on spiritual transformation. And is that something that you've had some success with? Oh yeah. That has led you to here? Oh absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. You know when that's the when that's what someone's walked in with. That they have worked on something, they have worked on something, they have worked on something in themselves. They're right at the precipice and they need that spiritual connection and integration and to get into the next level of the ladder, the rung of the ladder. Right. That, yeah, I've had a lot of success with that. You know, but also, you know, that's not the main focus of all Qigong treatments. Qigong treatments are really good for physical ailments and for uh, illnesses and chronic problems. Um, so, you know, it just depends what someone needs. I mean, I enjoy that. I also enjoy using the crystals. I enjoy um, finding the inner matrix that brings people to their center, centered place. Right. And it's different for every single person. It's different right. for every, every visit. Mm. You think, yeah. You know, it's not just a single person. Every person comes in and they've evolved. Change to a different place and their primary issues aren't coming up then. So, you know, it's sort of like 
you know, what's appropriate for this moment. Yeah. That's one thing, I, again, I mentioned to the acupuncture students, I was like, how often do you take the pulse of your patient? How often are you checking just to see like, how their energy changes throughout the treatment? And most of the time, they just check it once at the beginning, and that's it. So I had to talk with them a little bit to tell them, it's like, you know that they're constantly changing. And like you said, every visit is going to be very different. So as a person changes, uh, I can see how you would change their, your approach to helping whatever it is they have come to see you for. So you pick whichever modality works best, which I guess comes back to the part of uh, not really choosing what you like the most because it's what's called for in the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm a, a servant of the forces of the universe, you know, in some way. You know, I'm not like. You will uh, eventually have served your time, and they will say, "Time to retire." Well, I don't know. I don't. I you know. I, I had a I onto had a, another plane. I had a dream once that I saw a friend of mine who was dying in the dream, and we were both dead. And I was telling him the latest information about what we were supposed to be doing with the healings. Right. And I thought, oh my God! I said to him, you know, you're gonna die, and you're not even gonna get to rest. <laughs> you're gonna be so busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I see a little bit of me <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but you know, like I, you know, I don't know. I think that we come in as, as this is another topic. You know, we come in as healers. People always talk about the wounded healer and how we have so much to heal in ourselves, and that's how we got there. But I also think that that's karma. Mm. That you know, I can write a book that I spend a lot of time on and was done out of love and it's very helpful for some people I hope but my real contributions are when I'm teaching Qigong or I'm doing a healing for somebody or I'm doing something that you know brings more light or heart or mm -hmm. understanding or mm -hmm. virtues into the world mm -hmm. and you know that's sort of that's a karmic purpose you know and it's nice to be clear that that's yeah. why I'm doing it it's like a calling of some sort yeah like I don't have to heal I don't I don't have to save anybody I have to I have to be present mm. for what I have to do tomorrow mm. you know because today's almost done you know and tomorrow at the end of the day that day will be done so reminds me of a uh, not, a, not a composer but a Conductor, uh, very famous man, Herbert von Karajan. I think one there was a story I heard one time where he was leaving one of his performances or something. Uh, got in the car and the driver asked him. I said, "Where to?" And he said, "Anywhere. I'm needed everywhere." <laughs> Not in a in, in a uh, uh, egotistical way, but it's like music is a really music is a big part of my life. My, my background as well and that is a, another healing element that I think there's many healers out there that use it but just listening to music itself I think he found that by performing and educating people on what music can actually do for you that anyone can benefit from it so I feel that way from time to time it's like it doesn't matter what I utilize in the clinic and you feel that way, I would assume, in whatever it is that you provide to each patient that comes in on each visit. 
this is what we're going to do today. Yeah. This is what I'm called to do. You may not have to say that, but it's just, we're, well, they're doing something different today. So you have all of these things. You have uh, literature. You have crystals. You have qigong. <laughs> you, have, you have needles. You have uh, everything. Um, so is there anything that you're working on now, Eve, uh, or that you're teaching that you would like people to know about beyond what we've already discussed? Is there anything that you would like to share or, you, or even re-highlight that we've already talked about? You would like people to maybe see if they can take a, a new interest in. Um, doesn't have to be with you, be anywhere or with anything. Is there anything that you are offering or that you could uh, guide people to or advice? Anything of that nature? Um, well, the, I, I don't know, I think that the biggest healer is nature and um, can you say a little bit more about that I think that when you understand that we are connected to the earth we take care of the earth when you understand we're connected to the birds into the plants, you take care of the plants. When you understand we're connected to the trees, you know, you don't cut them down. You know, that, that, without cause, like the tree is dead. When you understand that there's a sacredness to all things, mm. you know, you realize the sacredness in yourself. So, I mean, I think that there's a way in which we need more ritual in our life to, to embody that sacredness. And I, I think agree. that we need, you know, like if people get it through Qigong, great. If they get it through uh, religious, religion, that's great too. If they get it through music or art, that's great. But there has to be something that connects us all, that allows us to be generous towards each other and to be uh, understanding in a real way. Right. And to be kind and, you know, like just, you know, I think that connectedness opens it up for people, opens up people to receiving from one another. And, and I do believe that nature is the force that really heals. Um, I can remember when my brother was really ill that, you know, we thought he was doing really well and he came in and we got some bad news and the doctor said, well, maybe you want to do treatment, but maybe you want to travel for a year and he chose to do treatment. And I thought to myself, I would go down to Colorado you know, while I could still do it, I would mm. I would go climbing somewhere. Though I'm not a good climber anymore. Um, you know, I would you know go to a you know some place that I really want to go. Um, you know, or go to some ceremonies in some indigenous 
tribe where I'd been invited before, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that I would go for treatment. But, you know, everybody makes the right decision for themselves. Yeah. And you have to understand that. But for me, it would be the sacredness of all of nature that I would want to keep inside myself as, you know, the gift that nature has to give. Mm. So, I mean, if I were to say one thing, I would say that, that that's yeah. the expander of the universe, right. is the nature we've been given. I think that's one of the easiest things that people often overlook is that really all they need to do is just take a few minutes during the day, a busy day, and walk outside, uh, go to the park, go for a walk, with no intention, with, with no technology, uh, just be, just walk, just sit, just listen. Um, I try to do that as much as I possibly can as well. Just use my senses to absorb as much as what nature has to offer. Uh, and by doing so, I feel that myself, not only do I feel a little bit better, but also I learn. I can see uh, through the medicine that the two of us practice how I can enhance my own abilities because I see that not only nature being uh, a healer in itself, uh, but also a teacher, uh, because that's essentially where our medicines come from. Yes. Uh, and that's how our bodies, like you said, that's how they heal themselves. Yeah, so I, I agree. I want to ask a few more questions. We're going to close this out. We're going to come down to just you. Okay, we're going to be a little personal now. So uh, I'm very forthcoming. I've told two, two or three stories about myself. You have. So here's one more chance to tell another story. Maybe they haven't heard the other ones before, but could you share with us one story that no one has heard before about a time where your life changed dramatically and helped shape who you are today? That's a hard one. That's why I asked it. What's the first thing that pops into your head? Actually, the first thing that pops into my head was uh, I was very, very psychic as a little girl. And uh, I can remember when I was 13, I was in junior high and I was going home and I looked through the window of my classroom and I saw my teacher with her head down on the desk and I thought oh she's really sick she's dying but I was 13 and so what would I do you know like really would I go in there and come to the rescue of a, a woman old enough to be my grandmother you know like I didn't you know I, I was like I'm just gonna go home there's probably nothing wrong with her and the next day I got to school and she had died and then I felt really guilty. And um, I called home. And I talked to my mother, who, you know, was everyone in my family was were, well aware that they should pay attention when I say things. And uh, I said, Mom, you know, my teacher died. And I saw that she was sick yesterday when I went by and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to do anything. And I thought maybe I was wrong. And, you know, and I feel terrible that maybe I should have done something. And and she said, Eve, what you do now is you pray she's in God's hands. 
that's what's important right now, is that not what you did or didn't do or what you were supposed to do, that you, that's not important. She's with God. Just pray she's in God's hands. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was so grateful that, you know, that I had this opportunity at a young age to straighten it out, mm-hmm. to not think that I had to uh, do everything for everyone all the time, yeah. that, you know, that there were forces at work that were really in charge, and it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's interesting when we realize that. Well, I was 13. Yeah, and at a young age, of course. And I had a really good parent who's, I had two good parents, but, you know, at that moment, my father wouldn't have been the right person. But my mother just said, you know, this, there's, there's a prayer to be said right now, but it's not, you're, you're like off base. Mm. And it's a very important reminder when you're a healer that, you know, that you, that you learn that, that mm. you learn to uh, be appropriate on the one hand, be loving, but also to, to acknowledge that you're just part of a larger scheme of things and that the forces that are in charge um, should be the ones who, you know, you bow to. Right. And, um, you know, to get out of the ego. So that was actually, you know, a, a wonderful day for me that I had this lesson of the ego at 13. Of course, I've had lessons with the ego many times after that. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't your own. Right, of course, many. <laughs> many times right. after that, my ego has taught me many lessons. But right. I thought it was, it was a very pivotal moment for me to, um, not, to learn that then, mm. as opposed to not having that starting place of, of realization mm. that there's always something you can do, but it's, you're not responsible always exactly. for what happens. That's right. Something you can do is, is a prayer often. Somebody told me that one time, whenever you hear like the sirens, shouldn't feel like sad or curious about what's going on or how many people are injured, doesn't matter how many vehicles you see flying down the road, just in that moment, just say a prayer for whoever's involved and that is really the only thing that you can do. Yeah. In that moment. Because everyone else has their job to do at that moment. So now whenever I hear sirens in the middle of the night or when I'm driving down the highway and I see them fly by and I can't drive, I'm stuck, rather than have the urge to help and be upset that I can't, I'm just going to be quiet for a moment and say a prayer and hope that these people make it through whatever has happened. So, My final question for you, Eve. What is it that gets you out of bed every single day? Yeah, I, I'm excited every day, most of the time. Excited about what? About the potential of each day. I'm excited to go to work. I'm excited to treat people. I have a great job. I have a really great job. <laughs> Can you hear the passion in her voice? I do. Don't I have a envious. great job. I have been doing this job 
besides his small break for a few years, um, for over 30 years, and I, I still am excited to go to work. You know, I'm still excited to um, find out what's going on, to try to listen deeply, to allow space to have it be revealed, mm -hmm. and when that doesn't happen, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if it's revealed, great. If I have to figure it out, I can do that. I have a little bit of a left brain. And, uh, you know, and I get to work with people and often they feel much better between the time they come in and when they leave. And I think I'm so fortunate. I'm so fortunate that this is what I've been doing for over 30 years. Now, I do like, you know, there, there was a time I liked it so much I would work a 10 hour day. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> in fact, one day a week I've been coming in at eight, but that's going away. Because, <laughs> you know, I am needing more sleep because my sleep is, is more restless like a lot of older people. And um, so I still am excited to go in. You know, I may not be seeing nine or ten people like I used to, but, you know, I see my seven and I'm very happy. And, um, yeah, no, I, I find it really great. And, you know, and then I get to teach three Qigong classes at least every week because um, I also do one, you know, one uh, not for the public but in an institution. And, um, you know, it's great. So you're excited. I get really excited. The excitement to go about your day, your week, and your purpose to yeah. fulfill that. Yeah, no, I, I, I am That's really fantastic. happy to go to work every Not day. Not many people can say that. I wish that they, they could. I wish that they could. Um, you know, I, I don't think happiness is what you do. But it's great to enjoy what you do. I think happiness is something that you carry inside. And, you know, sometimes it's pretty far away for all of us. You know, happiness is... I think that we've made too big of a deal out of happiness. I don't know what happened. That all of a sudden everybody has all these happiness projects. Uh-huh. I mean, I... We even measure one country in the world about what gross, gross national happiness or something like that. You know, it's, it's, I, it's, I'm really lucky I have a job I really love. You are. I'm very lucky. And, um, you know, and there are many things in my life that are difficult or strained, like everyone else's mm -hmm. life. Um, and certain disappointments along the way and losses but um i don't know what this happiness thing i think that uh if there was a ban on assault weapons that would make me happy but it's not my happiness you know so i i, I do think that um the flow of emotions is what we should go for and not like the I think even happiness is, is, is a worship of stagnation. You know, that, that, that 
you know, I think that I wouldn't have had that nerve pain, as mm -hmm. I mentioned before, right. if I'd stuffed that iPhone down that guy's throat. <laughs> but he would not be so happy. Right. So should I be worried about his happiness? No, I should be worried about my nerve. But, you know, like there was, you know, a disconnect right. between my emotions. So I think that what's really healthy isn't going for happiness. What's really healthy is expressing the truth and the authenticity of who you are, given the circumstances around. And I think as we get further away from what's authentic, then we get ill. But even some people are not quite sure what an authentic version of themselves are. So they can, um, I read something recently about the, even the word authenticity or being authentic is being overused now, kind of like happiness. Uh, so people are not really sure exactly what that means or how to achieve that. Authenticity? Yeah, authenticity. It was an interesting article. I'll send it to you if I can come back across it. Yeah, no, I want to hear um, that one. So, because I, what I'm doing is allowing there to be important emotions other than happiness that mm -hmm. we rely on. I think it was more towards the point of basically finding one's potential and showing through authentic, uh, being an authentic version of themselves is what they truly are here for and what they're capable of rather than somebody tells you you're good at something and then I'm going to do that so I can do this and I can show the world that I know something, I know a thing or two. So I think that's more towards uh, an idea of maybe a veil being over who they are and then viewing it as a form of authenticity rather than oh, that. Oh, so oh, it's like oh. a false version of what they believe to be a true self. Oh, well then so, that's the bigger question of what is the true self. Exactly. That's, I like that conversation. Uh, we should have another interview with that. <laughs> so I think uh, we've, gone, we've gone for a while now. Uh, oh, okay. So let's... Bring this to a close. Eve, I am really happy that you came and joined me uh, this evening today. Oh, well, this has just and been so much fun talking with you. Thank you. I've had a wonderful time here as well. So let's do it again sometime. And right. I thank everyone out here for tuning thank in today. Thank you very today. much for uh, tuning in. You can find Eve in Washington, D.C. and DuPont. You can go to her Qigong classes. You can seek her for acupuncture treatment. Uh, crystal healing, even her event that's coming up with crystals. Check her website out, evesoldinger.com. She's got her book available. So many different things. A uh, woman with experience uh, <laughs> of all kinds. I can't, it would take me another hour just to go through all these things. Just to, so thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. And I will see you all next time. And have a wonderful evening. Cool. Thank you. Oh, you're Thank welcome. You. Give me a hug.